Ben Stein is close to 80 years old. When he was in his 20s, he wrote speeches for Richard Nixon. He wants you to know he still calls Mr. Nixon his hero. Mr. Stein also tells you in his latest book about what he's done since those early years. Quote, I've worked as a university teacher, a columnist for the Wall Street Journal, a scriptwriter, a novelist, an investigator into financial fraud for Barron's, a columnist for the late, greatly lamented Los Angeles Herald Examiner, a writer and a commentator on economics, an actor, a game show host, a talk show host, and a father and a husband. Ben Stein calls former President Nixon my friend. And in the title of his book, The Peacemaker. We assume you're here because you enjoy listening to C-SPAN's podcasts. If you're a regular listener, please consider supporting our nonprofit operation so we can continue to bring you quality public affairs podcasts like these. Visit cspan.org slash donate to learn more. Ben Stein, you say in your book, Richard Nixon was a great man, a biblical hero. A man of, a hero of biblical proportions. I mean, this, for me, as a Jew, especially right now, with all the terrible hardships that are being visited upon the Jewish people in the Middle East, uh, it's just... Uh, he was unique. He saved the Jewish people. The Jewish race or religion or whatever you want to call it is approximately, and this is really approximate, approximately about 7,000 years old. He is the greatest hero there has ever been in the history of the Jewish people. Why? Uh, what number of book is this for you? <laughs> I don't know, 31, 32, 33. It's, it does. Who's who's counting, my friend? Who's counting? Is this those oh. a, a one that you've always wanted to write, or is? Oh it... yes, 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 yes. Well, I think uh, you, I know, actually do the incredible honor to us writers of actually reading our books, and uh, I, I've always wanted to write. I've, I have loved Richard Nixon since I was a small child in Silver Spring, Maryland, and uh, I still do. I love him. I I. I hope to go out to his uh, library this weekend with uh, one of my uh, young women who was a researcher for me. I loved him. I mean, he, he saved the Jewish people uh, during the Yom Kippur War. Uh, what more can I say about this man? I mean, he was the great, the great. He was the greatest. This interview is not going to be chronological. So I, you know, I've read the book and I've got a lot of quotes from the book, and I want to ask you to embellish on them. But one thing I wanted to ask you about the Jewish question is, twice in your book, you talk about Golda Meir, who was the prime minister, 69 to 74, during the, uh, the 60, 73 war, that she had two pills on her desk to commit suicide. What's yes. that all about? Well, I looked uh, very much at that point as if Israel might be overrun by the Egyptians and the Syrians. And uh, she uh, did not want to be left alive to face all the blame and to uh, uh, try to explain how she had screwed up so badly. And I, if I might embellish upon that, as you so well put it, uh, I think she did not want to be yelled at for the Jewish people for, for the next 7,000 plus years uh, for having screwed up so badly. She did not understand 
the incredible importance of keeping your eye on the ball every second when you're dealing with a uh, group of people, a large, well, very, 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 very well-funded group of people who really want to kill you all. We'll come back to this, but I want to go to a point in your book where you say your father is saying to Richard Nixon, this is our son, Benji. He's a law student at Yale. This is how they dress at Yale these days. What what are the circumstances? Well, I I uh, I I used to dress very elegantly. At least I thought it was elegant. I'm maybe not. And I think this is one of your people calling. I'm going to turn that off right away. Uh, anyway, I think that's one of your people checking that I'm here alive and well, so to speak. Uh, I I uh, then one day I decided I was going to be cool. I wanted to be a cool kid. I didn't want to have just have Brooks Brothers and Jay Press in my closet. I wanted to be a cool kid. I wanted to have people say, there's Ben Stein. He's a cool kid. And it worked incredibly well. Clothes really do make the man. And what my father was explaining to Mr. Nixon is uh, that even if you go to a very big-name Ivy League school, uh, you will dress like uh, a hippie, so to speak. And, by the way, it worked incredibly well for me. Uh, I got to uh, be well-loved by my classmates. I was valedictorian of the class of 1970 at Yale Law School. And in those wonderful days, uh, it wasn't done on the basis of grades. I would never have gotten to be valedictorian that way, although there are only 80 people in the class, 88-0. And, uh, but uh, by virtue of being well-loved, my fellow students elected me to be the uh, valedictorian. And uh, so I was. And, and so... From now on, uh, I can tell people that I was valedictorian of the class of 1970 uh, law school and that uh, I was patted on the back by Richard Nixon for it. And, and uh, I loved, loved, loved Yale. And uh, boy, oh boy, was I happy about being valedictorian of the class. And again, I could never have done it if it were done by grades. My grades were good, but nowhere near good enough for that. Uh, wow. Uh, it was... I'm sorry to be sort of wandering all around, but when you when you ask me questions about Mr. Nixon or about Yale Law School or about those days, it's like opening a wonderful, wonderful box in my brain of all wonderful, wonderful things. Who was your dad, Herb Stein, and how did you two end up working in the White House at the same time? That was a stroke of unbelievable kindness by the Lord God, Jehovah. Uh, my father was a very... Well, for those days and for the subject matter, very famous economist. He had uh, gone to uh, Williams College in Williamstown, Mass., a very, very wonderful college. And uh, I was thinking of going there, but I decided I didn't want to be that far off the map. Uh, Anyway, I went there and I spoke to various people and they said, oh, yeah, Ben Stein, Herb Stein's son. Of course, you're in. And and so I was. But uh, instead of going there... I went to Columbia because, and if I may say so, this is a very big explanation of who I am. I wanted to be near the chorus girls. I've always been starstruck. I've always wanted to be uh, in show business. And uh, I knew there there weren't weren't going to be many chorus girls in Williamstown, Mass. Anyway, so I wound up going there, and I studied economics at Columbia. Then I got out. I couldn't decide where whether to study economics uh, anywhere. I could have gotten in anywhere. I had very good grades in economics. And uh, I uh, went to uh, Yale, to law school, 
because my father said, uh, Benji, uh, economics is a great subject, although it's always kind of vague and uh, never, never much truth to it. Uh, but uh, there will be so many beautiful chorus girls in New York. You'll be wading through them. Why I would have thought I, a big nerd, would have been wading through chorus girls, I don't know. But uh, I was deluded then, and I guess I'm deluded a lot of the time. Well, because you mentioned the chorus girls, I have to ask you about your wife oh, and your favorite. My wife. favorite. my wife is a goddess, of, the goddess of goddesses, the absolutely number one best human in the world, a goddess, a literal goddess. Well, why did you divorce her? Or did she mm. divorce you? Uh, we Well, first of all, we were divorced and then remarried. Uh, so we got divorced because uh, we had a difference of opinion about drinking. And uh, we uh, and uh, also she was not anywhere near as big a fan of Richard Nixon as I was. And uh, I can very painfully and vividly recall that while I was inside the White House, writing my old fingers to the bone, uh, writing pieces defending Mr. Nixon, uh, she was outside in Lafayette Square, which I'm sure you know very well, shouting jail to the chief and uh boy i was pretty upset about that but anyway uh we got separated and then divorced and then a very short time later got remarried and uh we are remarried now and uh i sleep every night holding her hand and uh she's a goddess i I don't know how many of your viewers have a wife a spouse whom you those people consider a goddess on earth but my wife is a goddess on earth. She's literal, a, a, literally a goddess. She's literally sent down from heaven to be a goddess among us. What does she think of you? Oh, she thinks I'm a philandering piece of crap. No, no, she, I'm sorry. She, she thinks she thinks I'm she thinks I'm very well informed, especially about history, economics. Uh, I've made a, a tiny little bit of money and. Uh, that I and she, I think the thing she thinks most important, she knows I worship the ground she walks on. Why did I, she flip her attitude toward Richard Nixon? She changed. Wow. She's married to me. She couldn't be married to Ben Stein and not be a fan of Richard Nixon. She flipped her attitude toward Richard Nixon when she uh, heard me telling endless stories about what a great man he was and what great things conservatives were. Bear in mind, I was a big left-winger when I was at Yale Law School. Uh, I I think I was sort of a left-winger when I was at Columbia, but uh, boy, oh boy, did I flip in. Boy, she came right after me. She, she's the most loyal, most devoted wife in the world. Uh, there's nobody like her. I mean, if you, if, you, if you could imagine a perfect being, that would be my wife. But in the middle of your book, you talk about somebody you think the world of her name's Pat, and you lived with her, bought a house with her, all that stuff. Tell us about Pat, who doesn't she was a talk wonderful. to you anymore. Oh, my God. She hasn't, she hasn't talked to me probably in 50 years, five zero, not 15. And uh, I I fell madly in love with her uh, when I was teaching at American University, also in Washington, D.C., of course, and uh, at Ward Circle. I'm sure you know it well. And uh, uh, I just fell... In, I don't know what to say, as if some uh, witch had sprinkled 
dust on me and made me fall in love with her. I just remember after the first time I kissed her, I felt like I was in a cloud uh, floating in outer space. And, and, but now, unfortunately, she won't speak to me. She won't even entertain books uh, from yours truly dedicated to her. She, I don't know. She, she, I felt very bad. I, I treated her badly. I, while I was uh, in love with her, I was also in love with an, an incredibly wonderful, brilliant, brilliant white young woman named Kathy. To go into her last name, she became sort of famous. Uh, and uh, so uh, Pat got very mad at me. And uh, But now those days are over. I'm an old man, and uh, I just... Uh, Look in my look around my room. Look at my books and photos about Nixon and about my father and uh, my and my mother and and those days are past. It was it was wonderful being young, incredibly wonderful being young. Uh, it's like um, what is it they say? Youth is wasted on the young. Not in my case. Boy, did I get a lot of fun out of being young. I want to go back to uh, the issue of anti-Semitism. Richard Nixon. I'm going to read you a quote from your book about Richard Nixon saying, people say I'm anti-Semitic. That's the biggest lie about me in a lifetime of lies about me. Absolutely true. This man was a great friend of Jews and of the Jewish people. He was, people say to me sometimes, uh, well, of course, he was looking for the Jewish vote and he certainly didn't get very much of it. So uh, he didn't, his search was unsuccessful. But uh, he was a great friend of, as we say, as we Jews say, Eretz Israel, meaning the land of Israel. Uh, and uh, he uh, he had many, many Jews around him all the time. I mean, he started out uh, as a politician in Orange County. He had a, a number of uh, young politicians and political advisors who were uh, very devoted to him. Uh, at all stages of his life, he had many Jewish fans, promoters, uh admirers uh, and uh, even well into his life story he was surrounded by Jews who just worshipped worshipped sir didn't like worship the ground that Mr. Nixon walked on you say, you quote him also as saying I didn't do myself any favors in the Jewish world with my own words in the transcripts too those were ill chosen words indeed I make a lot of mistakes Yes, Mr. Nixon was a modest man, and he agreed that he made a lot of mistakes. And uh, sometimes he did uh, make some remarks that some might construe, with with good reason, as anti-Semitic. But, sir, it, that was a different era. This is 19—I was about to say this is 1923. This is 2023. Those remarks were uh, 50 years ago, and uh, I he was— uh, talking in what, what I would call standard Gentile uh, country club, especially Orange County or, or San Diego County, uh, words about Jews. Now, he, he would I don't think he would talk like that, even if he knew that every eye in the country were to be focused upon him. He, he just didn't talk that way in real life. He talked about Jews, just about other every other kind of people. I mean, I go back, farther back, farther back. Murray Chotner. Now, you are so well-informed and know so much. Do you remember the name Murray Chotner? Sure, yeah. Okay. Murray Chotner was a Jewish man, political wheeler-dealer in Southern California. And he and Mr. Nixon were close friends from day one. And he, as I say, he was a Jew. 
Uh, I don't think he's still living, so he's a deceased Jew, I'm thinking, but maybe I'm wrong about that. And uh, he, Mr. Nixon, worked with him from the very get-go, and they, they liked each other a lot, and they, they liked Israel a lot, and they liked what Jews had done. Mr. Nixon was just overwhelmed, as so many people are, at what the Jews of the world have accomplished, and especially what they accomplished after the astounding, unheard of horror of the Holocaust. But Ben Stein, from the transcripts, this is not in your book. This is Richard Nixon. Washington is full of Jews. Most Jews are disloyal. But Bob, talking to Bob Holloman, generally speaking, you can't trust the bastards. They turn on you. Is Tony Lake Jewish? He was an aide at the time. The answer is no. And so there's a lot more behind the scenes when nobody's supposed to be listening, comments about Jews from Richard Nixon. What's your reaction to hearing that? My reaction is that probably it had a little bit too much to drink that night. Or uh, that, uh, yeah, I think. Uh, but uh, I can tell you uh, whatever country club chatter he made with uh, Bob Holden, uh, he, who, by the way, also was con- criticized for being anti-Semite, but who actually was very good friends with me, and I'm a Jew, um, he, uh, he he wanted to fit in with uh, the anti-Semites, but he also wanted to fit in with the Jews. And when per- push came to shove, he risked everything to save the state of Israel. And uh, I think that's much more important, incomparably, incomparably more important than uh, whatever, uh, as I say, country club chatter he might have made about Jewish people at uh, whatever country club he was at or or whatever uh, place he was having a drink at. Uh, He was, uh, there just couldn't have been a better friend of the Jewish people or the state of Israel than, uh, than he made. His actions were just, breathtakingly pro-Israel, breathtakingly pro-Jewish, and uh, you, uh, you're you too young to remember this, Bonnie, but he had a great many Jews around him, and he treated us all, I, I was at a much, much lower level than my father, but he treated us all as friends, colleagues, and people whose word he took, and you, and you, you have him quoted saying, you can't trust the bastards, uh, I will tell you, having known Mr. Nixon somewhat, that's standard Mr. Nixon language after he might have had one or two or maybe three drinks. And uh, it in no, in no way reflected his thoughts about uh, Jews when push came to shove. I mean, when push came to shove, he was willing to uh, risk everything to help Israel versus the Soviet Union. All right, I can't resist this, Ben Stein. Here is... A little bit of audio, and we'll be back to get your point of view on this. Adamson? Here. Adler? Here. Anderson? Anderson? Here. Bueller? 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 Um, he's sick. My best friend's sister's boyfriend's brother's girlfriend heard from this guy who knows this kid is going with the girl who saw Ferris pass out at 31 Flavors last night. I guess it's pretty serious. Thank you, Simone. No problem whatsoever. Fry. You know, I don't know anybody that doesn't know that. Bueller, Bueller. 
How has that lasted for what now, 40 years? It's incredible. How Let's say, uh, I would say very close to 40 years, 38 years. Um, the, I don't know exactly how it lasted, but it's, a, to me, an astonishing story because I thought I was giving a lecture about economics, about supply side versus Keynesianism. This is and, from a movie, uh, by the way. Yeah, a very, one of the most successful comedy, teenage comedy movies ever, maybe the most successful teenage comedy movie ever. Uh, and I'll, I'll back up a little more, if I may, which is uh, I, I was not an actor by training. I've never had one course in acting, was never in one um, was a show, even in my high school, where I might have played uh, opposite Goldie Hawn. She and I went to high school together. And she had a big part of the movie. I had a very small part. Back up a little further. Uh, I was there on the set to be a, a uh, what should I say, the most trivial thing you could imagine. And uh, I was retake, taking the role. I was play, playing, playing a teacher, taking the role. And uh, the students laughed so hard that John used to halt to the director of photography and said, uh, Ben, you're going to do this now uh, as if you were doing it in real life. Well, that was no problem at all. I had been a teacher at American University in Washington, D.C. for a long, long time. I had been a teacher uh, at the University of California at Santa Cruz for some, but not very long. And uh, I had been a teacher in terms of, oh, uh, let's say, um, tri- tri- trivial, trivial things, uh at the uh, University of California, Santa Cruz, as I just mentioned. And uh, I, uh, I, it came naturally to me to be a teacher. And uh, when I, but as I said, when I did it, the student extras who are paid something like $40 or $50 a day to do this to show up, uh, laughed so hard that John Hughes said, wait, as I say, he said, stop. Ben, I want you to talk about something that's in the news about economics. Uh, or pol- economics and politics, and just to do, I'm not, I don't want you to have any notes. Just do it off the top of your head. What's what's the current topic? And I, I said fine. And I was I had been suffering very very slightly from a bad cold. Uh, cold was bad, really really bad. But anyway, I was sort of dazed from taking cough syrup. I don't know how many of your viewers have taken cough syrup today. But uh, you get kind of dazed when you take it. And uh, I was taking it. And uh, next thing you knew, I was giving this lecture about supply side, which I had heard my father talk about a billion times. And uh, again, the students were laughing their heads off. So then John Hughes said, wait, that was really good. Do another shorter, even shorter scene than that about economics and uh, take the role and uh I did it, and the students just laughed and laughed and laughed. And I thought to myself, wow, this is great. They're learning something about economics, and I'm so proud of myself. And uh, But it turned out they were laughing at me, not with me. <laughs> and uh, But boy, was I, that was a happy day. That was the happiest day of my life, except for the day I married my wife, of course. Uh, and I remember very well as I was walking off the set, uh, First of all, a lot of students wanted their pictures taken with me, but uh, the star uh, played uh, Ferris Bueller. Name I'm blanking on now Matthew for some Brothers. reason. Oh, Matthew Brothers. Of course, Brothers. thank you. God bless you. Old age, my friend. Uh, anyway, uh, he uh, he uh, he said, "Have you ever done much Broadway?" 
And I said, I've never done any Broadway. This is only the second scene I've ever been in in anything. And uh, it, I, I hope it will not be the last. Uh, last night. And the head director of casting for, I, for Paramount, I think it was, or maybe it was Universal, I think it was Paramount, uh, was a very close friend. And he said, well, if you, wanted, if you want to do more acting, we can do it. And, and from then on, I worked quite a lot as an actor. And uh, uh, that was my life for a large part of my life. Sir, you cannot imagine, and you cannot imagine how great it is to be an actor, especially compared with being a writer. It was it was just wonderful, just paradise. When I left Mr. Well, when Mr. Nixon and Mr. Ford left me, uh, I went up to New York, worked at the Wall Street Journal. Wonderful people, Bob Bartley, great, great guy. And uh, I, uh, they sent me out to, to Hollywood a number of times to interview various famous people. I wrote a book about it uh, called uh, The View from Sunset Boulevard and uh, made friends, especially one brilliant, brilliant man named Al Burton. And he said, you can be, you can act here regularly. as a, a, just, that's it. That can be your life. Well, I didn't want that to just be my life, but uh, that's, uh, that's another long diversion. Uh, I came out to Hollywood and I was uh, motivated by a, a line from a woman who at one time was one of my closest friends. She later became a very avid uh, Democrat, and I am, am still a Republican, although I'm no, no longer sure what it means to be a Republican. But I, uh, her name was, was the great, immortal, wonderful Joan Didion, who uh, and uh, she she had a line in one of her first books, which I believe was pretty sure. Well, it doesn't matter what the name of the book was, but the line was, you can't win if you're not at the table. And I thought, wow, that's me. I want to be at the table of being in movies and being surrounded by starlets and being surrounded by people with great cars. Cars have always played an enormous role in my life. And uh, anyway, I, I saw you out here. I came and, and here I am still still here. My life has changed in oh so many ways, as the song goes. And a very, very large part of it has to do with uh, John Hughes and with Hollywood and with, oh my God, so many wonderful people out here. Norman Lear, God, he's been a good friend to me. A wonderful, wonderful man. His deputy, Al Burton, a genius, genius, genius. Been a wonderful friend to me. Oh my God, Christ, pardon me for saying it, it's earthy language. These people have been wonderful, wonderful, wonderful to me. All right, one more time. I want to run this clip because for people who didn't know the story and let them listen to it one more time from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, here is Ben Stein. Adamson. Here. Adler. Here. Anderson. Anderson. Here. Bueller. 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 Um, he's sick. My best friend's sister's boyfriend's brother's girlfriend heard from this guy who knows this kid is going with the girl who saw Ferris pass out at 31 Flavors last night. I guess it's pretty serious. Thank you, Simone. No problem whatsoever. Fry. How often do people, all these years later, 
mention this to you? Every day. Uh, and usually at the grocery store, uh, my wife's uh, not in good health, and uh, she has not been to the grocery store probably in at least 10 years, and, and I love grocery stores. So I go to the grocery store. People stop me sometimes three or four or five times just in one shopping trip. And uh, they say to me, Bueller, Bueller, is that really you? Yes, it's me. It's me. It's a fatter, older version of me. <laughs> Do you get tired of it? No. No, I don't get tired of it at all. Look, if you're an economist, you do interesting work. It's, it's very, very interesting work, incredibly interesting work. Uh, if I had a child, I would invite that child to uh, to to be an economist. It's a great, great job. Sometimes, not always, it pays well. Uh, it's always interesting. And uh, I think it's a combination of, uh, what should I say, loan sharking and uh, uh, well, an intelligence and sometimes even eloquence. Sir, I am so happy, so grateful that my life turned out in such a way that I could be an economist and an actor at the same time. Missing rock star. But uh, I'm only 78, and so I can still do it. And in fact, just the other day, I made a steak. Uh, I'm the cook in the family, too. I made a steak for a friend who was visiting, and she said, and she tasted she said, Ben, as far as cooking is concerned, you're a rock star. So, there you are. Where do you live? Ah, oh, that's a trick question, isn't it? Anyway, we have nine houses, and uh, the one I'm sitting in right now is in Beverly Hills, California, a wonderful neighborhood, really, really wonderful. Uh, I don't deserve it. I don't, you know, I don't deserve any of the things I have in my life. But I, I have uh, a house here. I have a house in Malibu. It's a really, really nice house, and I think it is anyway. Uh, and uh, I have uh, what else? I have a, a very, what I think is a very beautiful co-op at the Watergate in Washington D.C. I only get to see it a couple of times a year. Uh, I, what else do I have? I don't remember all of them. That I have. Oh, I have. I have. Uh, some several condos in uh, West Hollywood, uh, which I use uh, for writing. I go over there and uh, hide myself and write uh, on my ancient, ancient, ancient computer. Uh, and uh, you mentioned so I, in the book I, cars. You mentioned oh, it earlier. What are you driving today? That's a good question. I will be driving today. A I think. Uh, 2016 or 20, no, about 20, 2008 Cadillac uh, STS-V, I think it's the model number. It's a V8 supercharged Cadillac. It's a sort of a collector's item. I have two of them, and uh, they go so fast, it's unbelievable. But I bought uh, about uh, two years ago a an Audi S8, and that was their top-of-the-line sedan, V8, turbocharged, was incredibly expensive, way, way, way more than I could afford, and it has been nothing but trouble. It breaks all the time, and makes me absolutely insane how much trouble I have with it. Uh, and they should really just take it back and give me my money back. I brought it in at least 10 times, I think, uh, to uh, be serviced. They always 
greet me with a big smile, say, oh, your car's ready now. It's never ready. It's a great supercar, comfortable, great radio, as we old people say, great air conditioning, as we old people say, but it's broken all the time. All right. Who is Mary Margaret of Santa Cruz? Wow, you are bringing up some very powerful names. Mary Margaret of Santa Cruz was my my well. First of all, before that, let me back up a little tiny bit. Uh, probably the very best girl I've ever known in my life. Uh, there are three of them. Two of them, their names began with Mary. But Mary Margaret of Santa Cruz was a girl. Mary Margaret was a girl who was my girlfriend when I was a senior in college, and then off and on for a while after that. She was an incredibly wonderful girl. Just a very smart, very, very well-dressed, very good-looking, just a wonderful, wonderful human being. Uh, I, when I met my wife, uh, I just fell hopelessly in love with her. So she edged out, one might say, uh, that Mary Margaret. But then later, uh, one night when I was uh, in Santa Cruz teaching, I came across a lost wine runner. The owners of this wine runner had somehow lost her, and uh, so I picked her up and carried her to my condo, uh, not a condo, faculty apartment on the campus. And uh, I uh, hugged her and kissed her and played with her stomach. And uh, we were together then for, for a long, long time. She was incredibly wonderful. There's nothing, a good, devoted animal is there's nothing like that. It's just fantastically great. And I know I rave about this and that, but I'm a grateful man, sir. I, I have everything I have in my life I'm incredibly grateful for. And my dogs are incredibly, unbelievably important to me. Look, I sit here before you, this old man, and here in my hand, my left hand, this is a four-pack a four of yogurt. I am so grateful for this yogurt, you can hardly imagine. You just can't imagine. And uh, I can just go into my refrigerator anytime I want and get as much yogurt as I want. It's, it tastes good. I don't I don't know how much it costs, but it's unbelievably tasty and unbelievably inexpensive. And I get that anytime I want. I'm very grateful. But to go back to Mary Margaret, she was my dog, Weimaraner, very, very beautiful, very intelligent breed. I loved her like mad. I just like mad she died after uh, she was with me in many different places she came with me she was with me in Santa Cruz she was with me when I went back to Washington over a terrible terrible anti-Semitic uh, incident at UC Santa Cruz uh, and uh, but then she was with me when I went up to New York to be at the Wall Street Journal and then she was with me when I came out here uh, to uh to, well, what was I doing here? I was a writer for a very, very successful producer of Situation Comedies. His name was, was and is Norman Lear. Uh, I, he's still living, uh, and uh, he, he was a genius and a very nice guy, and, and uh, uh, not at all on my political uh, alley, down my political alley, but a wonderful, wonderful man. And I loved him a lot, and I still do. Back to the book, The Peacemaker, Richard Nixon, and you talk about, and I'm going to take you through a little bit of the but quotes in this area, a, a birthday party for Julie Nixon Eisenhower. Uh, but first, I want to ask you, before you tell us the story of this, how did you remember? I mean, you've got a lot of quotes in this book from Richard Nixon. How did you remember that? And how are you sure that you remember correctly? 
I might not have remembered correctly. I, and uh, uh, it's entirely possible that I'm just remembering the gist or what you might say is the essence of the conversation. But uh, I I have a pretty good memory. I don't know if you know this. I'm sure you do. I had a, a game show on Comedy Central. I had one of the first hits, one might say, on Comedy Central. And it involved yours truly playing against uh, three contestants on each show. Pretty damn difficult questions. And uh, uh, it required a, an excellent memory. And uh, I have an excellent memory, but as I say, it's entirely possible that the uh, I may have got certain words wrong. But as to the essence of what I was writing about, I'm I'm really really damn sure I got that right. But as I say, I might have gotten a, a the, word wrong. The program wrong Ben Stein's Money was how many years? Uh, it'll, I think it was on either four or five years. I could have that wrong too. But we did a lot of shows per season. And uh, I think all told, when we were done, uh, we had done uh, over 900 shows, maybe, maybe not a 1,000, but maybe roughly 900. And uh, I had won the, 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 the test of the show. The, the hard part was that I would play against uh, newcomers and they'd, they'd read out the best of them and leave me, actually, they read out the word less good of them and left me there playing against other contestants and I I, uh, I just have a wizard memory for things and, and uh, I was uh, able to win most of those game shows and uh, became uh, a kind of well known I wouldn't even say very well known avatar if I may use that word of uh, a good memory especially about history, politics uh, not good at all about sports I know much too little about sports and uh, not too much on movie stars. But as to history, politics, I know a hell of a lot. Go back to the and, birthday party. How did, you, uh, how did you find yourself at a birthday party with Julie and her father and mother? Uh, Julie invited me, and uh, it was her birthday. Uh, Julie and I are roughly the same age. She's a little younger. And uh, her the Nixon family friends, Jack and Helen Drown, might be pronounced Helene, I don't think Helen Drown, had a beautiful house uh, in, uh, I, I believe the area is called Palace Verdes, Verdes, a very nice area, and uh, they were putting on a party for Julie for her birthday, and uh, Julie invited me, and uh, off I went. I uh, I didn't know my way around Orange County at all, still don't. I, real, I mean, I might, I might as well be in... Uh, Afghanistan, God forbid, as in Orange County. Not not because I dislike Orange County. I love it a lot and it's wonderful people, but I don't know my way around at all. But she invited me to this party. I went and uh, everybody was extremely nice. The, the part that I remember bad, two, two, well, several parts. But one was uh, Mrs. Nixon said, as I came in the door, she said, Ben said, Julie has been talking so much about you, it makes me want to throw up, or some, something like that. But some, I might not have the exact words, right? But something like that. And, uh, but also, Mr. Nixon was going through a list of the world leaders, and uh, wow, he was really letting them have it about uh, various ones of them whom he considered to be uh, failures, let us say, as world leaders. Uh, although uh, he certainly had some admiration for some of them, but he would, he would. I remember him talking about uh, Idi Amin, saying that uh, Idi Amin, Idi Amin thinks he's uh, going to be welcomed, and he, 
he's going to have a great time when he goes to these countries. And I remember very well thinking to myself, you are so, so wrong, Mr. Ely, I mean. And Mr. Nixon knew it, of course. And uh, he said that he said, Mr. Nixon, again, I'm not claiming that these words are precisely correct, said, I'm uh, those those people are goddamned cannibals. And uh, he better realize that he's going to get eaten too. Something like that. It wasn't, I don't want to claim these are exactly precise words. Well, he, in this general area, this is kind of why I brought it up. He says, he calls a lot of people the a-hole word. You bet. Word. He uh, loved that word. And, he loved that word. And here's another one besides EDI men. He says, that, at that point, I asked Mr. Nixon why Kurt Waldheim then Secretary of the U.N. Security Assembly, had criticized Israel for rescuing its hostages in Entebbe. Why, question mark, Mr. Nixon asked with a wry smile, Waldheim, because he's an a-hole, and the U.N. is full of (laughs) G.D. a-holes, that's why. And this was at a party where, you know, a birthday party where he's talking that way around everybody? You bet. You bet. Why not? I mean, these were, were, we were close friends. We uh, were not going to uh, in any way use it against him as a uh, political tool. Um, and I think he knew that we would welcome his honest, candid opinion about these various world leaders. And by the way, if we can back up a little tiny bit, uh, a much, much, much better writer than I am, who's also a speechwriter in the Nixon White House, Pat Buchanan, has written a book called uh, about uh, Mr. Nixon called The Greatest Comeback. And he has Nixon talking about the various African leaders uh, quite similarly to the way I am. So possibly I did get it right. But uh, Well, but he, let me was, jump in with a couple more of these. Barry Goldwater mm-hmm. was slow in coming out in support of Ford. <laughs> Nixon leaned into the question enthusiastically. Why, question mark? Because he's a GD drunken a-hole. He's been having drinking problems for years. Now he's just out of control. He was for a while. He never even tried to win in 1964. Right. He didn't like Mr. Goldwater that much. <laughs> and uh, he, uh, I think uh, the feeling perhaps was mutual. But, uh, yeah, he, I mean, he, I think he got that right. Goldwater had his ideas about the world and the way the, about the way the world should be organized were quite correct. And uh, what he is, especially is very simple, uh, what should I say, saying, uh, which is get the U.S. out of the U.N. and the U.N. out of the U.S. Uh, he was, I think, pretty much correct about that. Uh, but, I got uh, I got to do one more. Somehow the subject, oh. this is your words, somehow the subject of Mr. Nixon's uh, brother Donald came up. He had recently been mocked in the media. Quote, he's not a bad fellow. He's not like Lyndon Johnson's brother, Sam. They kept him up on the third floor of the White House for years. Uh, right. He, he, Apparently that was true. <laughs> but you know what's I interesting, never... though? You never talk that way in your book. And I've interviewed you several <laughs> times and you never talk that way. He seems to have been quite negative on a lot of people. Oh, yes, 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 yes. He was, he was, he was, he was. But he uh, did me the honor of being honest and candid and, and outspoken. Uh, and uh, I, I admired that. I was grateful for that. I uh, learned, learned a lot about the, how the world worked because Mr. Nixon, as I said, did me the honor of being truthful. I mean, now he's, now we have politicians who are rarely truthful. Uh, we have some uh 
on the left who are uh, very, very anti-Israel, uh, and they're pretty candid about expressing it. I don't know how much longer these guys or gals have a, uh, I, don't, I don't know how much longer they have a political future, but Mr. Nixon, I think, uh, to some extent, shortened his future by uh, talking, as he did, about people who are well-known people in the national eye. Now, i got to ask you, and it's hard because people can't... Oh, I, I believe, you're, believe me, I love doing this. You could ask me this all night, and all, all day, and all night. Go ahead, please. What I'm going to ask you now, though, is inside, in on the, on the other side of the cover, and in the back, you have a piece of artwork that you've put in there. It used to hang, according to what I saw on, on Google, uh, in the Nixon Library, and it's a Hungarian artist... And I, I don't know how to describe it. You could probably describe it. It's Richard Nixon and a bunch of Hungarians back in 1956. Yes, as they were escaping the Soviet repression uh, after they had a, ris- had a rising against uh, Russian, uh, Russian run, you might say, uh, totalitarianism in Hungary. And uh, there was a, a bridge... Uh, across crossing an important river, uh, the name of the river or a gorge, maybe it's not a gorge, a river, maybe it's a gorge, I, I, no longer is in my memory. I'm sure if you said it, it would come back to me. And Mr. Nixon was standing there, as I recall, wearing a poplin colored raincoat, greeting people as they're coming across from uh, slavery to freedom and uh, from uh, poverty to prosperity. And he did a uh, he he had a real warm look on his face, and I think he was uh, he really did welcome the Hungarian uh, refugees very 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 much, and uh, I think a lot of them did extremely well in America. If anybody wants um, to look, this almost thing. anyone who wants to do a day's work will do well in America. If you want to look this painting up, you can. The last name of the artist is it's I don't know how it's pronounced. It's D A D A Y. He's a Hungarian. And uh, you can find it online and, and look at the picture if you don't rush out to buy for twenty seven ninety nine the book by Ben Stein called The Peacemaker. Uh, what's the in, in your lifetime? What's been the most? I don't care what word you use, fun or important or exciting job you've had. Uh, probably uh, university teaching at. Uh uh, American University in Washington, D.C. Why? Um, yeah, well, because the students uh, and I loved each other. Uh, it was, uh, I, I don't, I believe you live in Washington. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you live in New York. I'm not sure. No, no, I'm, in, anyway, I'm in here. I'm in Washington. Yeah, so this place is at, at Washington Circle. I'm just sorry, Ward Circle, Ward Circle. And uh, the, uh, uh, it's a university that uh, is just a cheerful, friendly campus. Lots of great kids. Uh, they loved me. I loved them. I was um, very, uh, what should I say, down to earth with them. And uh, we uh, we all had a great time. And I, I used to uh, applaud the students when they said something smart. They would applaud me. And the class went from having 60 students. I taught three semesters, that's all. I had 60. Then the next semester I had 160. And then the next semester I had 360. And the students just loved me, if I, I say this, and I loved them. And I remember very well the first day of the third semester that I taught, I walked into the classroom, it's a, a, it was a classroom called Ward Circle 3, 
and I walked in there, and the students stood and applauded and stamped their feet or stomped their feet, whatever the word is. And uh, I was happy. Boy, was I happy. I liked being applauded. I had an incident like that a couple of years ago in uh, uh, North Idaho. We have a that's, a, that's another place we have homes. In North Idaho on a beautiful lake called Lake Ponderay. And uh, the, the kids, I've been going there for years and years. They all know me. And uh, I walked in there and the, uh, oh my God, it was wonderful. The kids applauded and, and I mean, the people of all ages in San Point, Idaho. And uh, God, I was just so happy. I liked being applauded. What can I say? I'm a big ham bone. I'm a big Jewish ham bone. And uh, I like being applauded a lot. I really, I really, really like. So did my father, who was an economist and uh, very good at it, I think. And uh, I don't think anyone could be that good at economics. But anyway, uh, I like being applauded and I like being friends with the kids. And, I, and uh, American U uh, had some very bright kids and uh, they they really wanted to learn and I wanted to teach them. So what are you still doing? How active are you? Very, very, very active, incredibly active. I'm, uh, I mean, I'm 78, as I keep saying, and uh, I will, uh, as soon as we're done here, I will take a little nap because I was up a large part of the night with an upset stomach, which is something that's dogged me all my life. And uh, I will go swimming in my heated pool, which I never thought in a million years I would have. And uh, I will uh, uh, get a good rest, uh, maybe take another nap. I'll go visit with my wife for quite a while. She, as I say, she's, she's not been in good health for a very long time. And uh, I spend as much of the day with her as I conceivably can. She is a, a the absolutely best person on the planet. But anyway, and then I will uh, go to lunch at the Beverly Hills Hotel uh, by their pool. They have a wonderful big pool at the Beverly Hills Hotel. And I go there um, certainly two or three times a week. And uh, then I will go have a meeting with uh, a mental health professional, one might say. And we'll talk about to my mother. And um, then why, I'll... Why, why will you talk about your mother? Well, that's what you do when you go to a psychiatrist. You talk about your relationship with your mother. Or at least that's what I do. I've been doing that since 1966. I... I don't know where in Washington you live. If I may just ask you, where, where, do, what part of Washington do you live in? If I, I, just I live near, generally. near the National Airport. Oh, okay. And I, and uh, I uh, well, anyway, I will. Uh, we, my relationship with my mother is an enormously big part of my life. I think it is for everyone. Uh, and uh, anyway, I, I had a. a jumping the tracks a little bit here. I had a, a very, very intense relationship with her, but much more intense with my father. I I, I don't know. I, I'll swim. I, I will swim for maybe twice. I'll get out. I'll uh, go shopping for my wife. She likes steak a lot. I'm a wizard chef of steak. And uh, I recommend prime ribeye, prime boneless ribeye. I make it a very simple way on a frying pan, sautéed in butter. And uh, then uh, she and I will watch the news out of Eretz Israel, uh, which horrifies us both to an extent. To an extent, you can hardly believe. My wife's from a military family, and uh, she, her family has a very distinguished pedigree at arms, one might say. And uh, 
We'll watch that. We'll talk about old times. We'll talk about new times. I'm sad to say that our son died on July 4th of this year, uh, quite unexpectedly. And uh, so we'll talk about him. We, we talk about him for quite a while and almost always cry. I would say, oh, you always cry. And uh, then we'll... Uh, how, how, then old, I will, how old was your son? 37. Way too young. And uh, I, I just, uh, I, as a lawyer, this would call the cause of his death extremely severe medical malpractice. And uh, anyway, I, I, that may come to litigation or it might not. I just don't know. Uh, but uh, then we'll, uh, then I will go uh, I sleep in a separate room from my wife because uh, I, I, have, I have to watch documentaries about World War II every night, and she doesn't like to watch them. So uh, I go down and watch documentaries about World War II, and then, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. then I, why 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 documentaries on World War II? Well, World War II was the greatest event in the history of mankind. It was the largest event. The most human activity went into that. Human energy went into that of anything that's ever happened, uh, even more than World War One, which had been the previous record holder. And I have some very good documentaries. The best one is called World War Two, Minute by Minute. Uh, it's an amazing documentary. And the, my nighttime nurse, who I, I have nurses not, I'm happy to say, at least as far as I'm aware, I'm not wood here, uh, not because I have some, God forbid, lethal disease, but because I had very, very severely botched knee operation, at least so it seems, and uh, I can't really walk very far without my nurse. And uh, anyway, then I'll then I'll lie in bed. We'll talk about uh, history. Uh, my nurse is an incredibly, unbelievably well-informed man. He's from the Manila, Manila in the Philippines, as most nurses seem to be. And we'll talk about Vercingetorix, the leader of the Gauls, fighting against Julius Caesar, and uh, then I'll go to sleep, and then I'll wake up in the middle of the night with a badly upset stomach. I'll take a ton of medicine, and then I'll go down the hall to my wife, make sure she's sleeping soundly, kiss her on her beautiful face, and then come back to uh, my other room. This house has a lot of rooms, and then uh, I will uh, go to sleep. So, then I'll begin the next day and do the same thing. Ben Stein's diaries, are they still? Is the Ben Stein I'm still diary- writing for the American? Still writing for the American Spectator, and the American Spectator, and also I write some for Newsmax, and uh, the American Spectator and I have been together now. I don't remember. Certainly, fifty years. I don't remember the exact number, but they're great, great people. Bob Terrell and all the other wonderful people at the American Spectator. I just love them to, to on, death. On this book, uh, it was published through a company, I believe, in Palm West Palm Beach, Florida. Why this time from this particular publisher? Well, they came to me and asked me if I was interested in doing it. And this is not a trivial company. This is Newsmax, and it's uh, become it's got a big, big television news operation, and uh, it's uh, it's big, big uh, actually media operations in several different areas. And uh, well, as I say, they came to me, and, and uh, I got paid almost nothing, but uh, I was able to do it, and. Uh, Still do. Oh, I forgot. We also have some houses down there in Rancho Mirage, California, which is 
a suburb of Palm Springs. Just a question, because you've mentioned a lot of things you have, homes and cars and all that stuff. Where have you made most of your money? Uh, speaking and uh, then investing. I had a couple of uh, pretty good investments. Uh, I've also had some very bad investments. and uh, But the, the great majority of them did well. I've had the incredible, incredible privilege of being friends with Warren Buffett, who has uh, given me advice and suggestions over the years and just generally uh, instructed me on how the stock market, how investing works. And those uh, suggestions, never very complicated, never complex at all, have uh, helped me become, move from uh, what I might call lower middle class status to slightly above middle class status. And that could stop at any time there could be some terrible incident that would make that stop and make me be not rich. And uh, I'm not certainly not rich now. And uh, but I'm I'm extremely happy with the way my, my life goes materially now. And again, number one is my wife. Ben Stein, thank you so much for this last God hour. God bless you. God bless you and God bless America. Thank you. And the name of the book is The Peacemaker Nixon, the man, president and my friend. And we appreciate your time. You're very kind. Thank you very much. Adamson. Here. Adler. Here. Anderson. Anderson. Here. Bueller. 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 Thanks for listening to Book Notes Plus. We want to make sure you know about our latest podcast, Books That Shaped America. It's a companion podcast to our 10-week television series of the same name. We've teamed up with the Library of Congress and selected 10 books from across American history that have had a major impact on our society. Each week, the C-SPAN television program will focus on one of these books and its impact. This companion podcast will give you more background on the book's authors. If you want to learn more about Books That Shaped America, go to our website, c-span.org. The podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. 